ask that you would use what you say in the Bible to help us learn to rest in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. A while back, a Tacoma newspaper reported a story about a basset hound named Tattoo whose owner accidentally shut his leash in the car door and took off driving with Tattoo running behind. Finally, some policeman noticed this poor dog running alongside this car, just picking him up and putting him down as fast as he could. Pulled the car over, but not before he noticed that uh, Tattoo was clocking in at 25 miles an hour. Not bad for a basset hound. Needless to say, Tattoo doesn't want to go on any more walks. (laughs) How many folks feel like Tattoo today? That life is just a speeding car and you are trying to keep up. Working 60, 70 hours a week, running kids to soccer games and to, to after school programs and band rehearsal and all kinds of stuff, volunteering for the PTA, the Rotary Club, the church just picking them up and putting them down as fast as you can. We're starting a new series today called Counterculture. How do we as American Christians live counter to all the cultural pressures and addictions that surround us? And how do we do that in a way that not only is beneficial for us, but that makes other people look at us and ask us the question, who is this Jesus that you live such a different life because of him? And I think there are few things that we could do more counter to the culture we live in than to obey God's laws about Sabbath rest. Because as you know, we live in a very busy culture. Microwave ovens, high-speed internet, fast food, advertising slogans that say things like, hurry now, don't delay. I had a friend who was given a ticket for driving too slowly on the 520 bridge. That's right, too slowly. Now, if you're like me, when you hear that, you felt a little surge of joy. Finally, those slow drivers, someone's forcing them to speed up, right? This is good news. Hallelujah. (laughs) We live in a very busy culture. Our kids are busy, and you retired folks, you're the busiest people I've ever met in my whole life. And as a result, a lot of us end up with a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, and a lot of loneliness because we don't have the time we need to make good relationships with God or with other people. And that's why I think one of the best gifts God gives us is the fourth commandment, where he says, I want you to take some time to rest. Now, some of you right now might be thinking, rest, what a great word. It sounds so nice, so how cruel of you even to mention it. I can't possibly rest with everything I've got to do. There's no way I can take a Sabbath. Well, there's a couple of things I think we can do that can help us observe God's laws of Sabbath rest. They all start with R so that we can remember them. The first one is this, rely on Jesus. In order to take Sabbath, we have to rely on Jesus. Behind all of my busyness is a fundamental fundamental reliance on myself. I think if I don't work a lot of hours, then everything's going to fall apart. Vital stuff's not going to get done. People are going to be mad. It's all up to me. I am the atlas that holds this church aloft. Right? Sounds kind of self-important, don't you think? Right? Like Narcissus can't even do that. Or like he'd be really proud. Wow, that's really narcissistic of you, Scott. And truth be told, I like to work a lot of hours because I want people to think that I'm a hard worker. I want them to think good thoughts about me. I don't want them thinking I only work one day a week. So behind all of that for me is this fundamental reliance on self. If I don't do it, it won't get done. Or, 
I want to do all this stuff so everybody likes me and gives me all kind of praise. And we're terrified that if we rest, then everything's going to fall apart. The project at work's not going to get done. The boss is going to be mad. Our careers will suffer. People will think bad things about us. But the question Sabbath asks us is, do you trust Jesus? That is the fundamental question behind Sabbath. Do you trust that Jesus is sufficient to get you where he wants you to be? Maybe not where you want to be, but where he wants you to be. Sabbath means trust in God that if we take time off, one of two things is going to happen. Either God is somehow going to see to it that we get the project done or please the boss or keep our reputations or whatever it is, or if that doesn't happen, we can assume that the project, the boss, the reputation, they were never critical to getting us where God wanted us to be in the first place. There are several men in this church that I know very well who deliberately limit the number of hours they work so that they can spend more time with their family, and so that they can serve in Jesus' name. And as a result, they've been passed over for promotions. They haven't made as much money as they otherwise could have. But you know what? They've got a great family life. And and they're taking joy in the ways they're serving. And God's providing for their needs. None of them are starving. And all of that makes me have more admiration for them, not less, because they're not working more hours. They're relying on Jesus. Remember one time I was driving a, 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 a well-known Christian speaker. His name is Dallas Willard. I was driving him to the airport one night after he had spoken at the Stanford campus, and he had to catch a plane the next day in order to get to Michigan for his uncle's funeral. Problem was, we were late for the plane, and we were stuck in a traffic jam. I was just freaking out. I was, you know, drumming my fingers nervously, going, like, you know, this is a pretty important thing he's got to get to. He's a pretty important man, and, you know, now he's not going to make it. We're late, and... Finally, you know, he notices me just freaking out, and he leans over and he says, Scott, relax. Right? He's missing his flight, but he's comforting me. I found that very Christian of him. <laughs> Scott, relax. It's going to be okay. These things always work out. If it's that important that I get there, God's going to figure out a way to get me there. And if it's not important for me to be there, well, then I guess there's something else I'm supposed to do tomorrow instead. And I remember just marveling at his calm. And wanting that kind of peace that came from completely relying on Jesus. And by the way, he made his flight, so it was all okay. In order to rest, we have to rely on Jesus and trust that he will get us where he wants us to be. The second R of Sabbath is rhythm. Establish a rhythm in your life. You know, God is very practical here. He understands that most of our time is going to be devoted to the material need of just earning our bread. Six days, he says. So Sabbath is not an excuse just to slack off in case you're worrying that I'm telling everyone to slack off. No, God understands a lot of life is about work. But he also says, hey, at least, at least one day in seven, bare minimum, should be devoted to rest, to rising above the ordinary material work-a-day world and connecting to the eternal. And not just one in seven days, but as you know, he says one in seven years is a sabbatical year. Once every 50 years is a jubilee year. It's a, it's a rhythm thing. There are rhythms to our life. One in seven minutes, one in seven hours, one in seven days, one-seventh of life at least should be devoted to rest and connecting to the eternal. That's why every morning I spend at least 30 minutes a day in prayer and scripture. Every Thursday night is a date night with my wife. It better be a very, 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 very important meeting if I'm going to be here on a Thursday night. Someone's laughing because they know my wife, right? (laughs) i got to make that date night every Thursday night. It just has to be super important. 
I'm going to miss that. Friday is my day off. I don't check email. I don't take voicemail. I spend the time with my family. I go to the gym because that refreshes me. It's also a great time for me to think and be alone. We'll spend time with friends who help us understand God better. And then Saturday morning, I take my kids to breakfast so I can have some time with them one-on-one before I go back to work. There is a rhythm in my life. On top of that, once a quarter, I spend a whole day just in prayer and scripture. There is a rhythm in my life. Establish one in yours. Rely on Jesus. Establish a rhythm in your life. And the last R of Sabbath is restoration. Restoration. Participate in the restoration that Jesus is doing in the world. You know, Sabbath is more than just resting. It's that, but it's more. It's about being restored as individuals. But even more than that, it's about participating with the restoration that God is doing in the world. And that's what's going on in those stories we read about Jesus, where he does this kind of weird thing that people don't understand it. He technically disobeys the Sabbath law because he does work on the Sabbath. He heals someone. And the religious leaders of his day just freaked out about that. Oh, you're working on the Sabbath. That's because they completely misunderstood the deeper meaning of Sabbath. You know, they had become so legalistic about not doing any kind of work that, I mean, they would end up in arguments about whether or not it was okay to clean your dentures on the Sabbath. Literally, right? So don't brush your teeth today, guys, right? I mean, it's just missing the point entirely. Reminds me of a scene out of a Woody Allen movie where there's a very religious family and they're sitting all inside this darkened house because it's the Sabbath day. And there's this little nine-year-old boy who keeps wanting to go outside and play and his mom says, no, it's the Sabbath. You're supposed to sit around all day in the house and think about your sins. Not what God had in mind. Jesus here is deepening our understanding of Sabbath. Sabbath means is is meant to restore us, yes. But it's also the goal God has for the entire world. That the whole world will one day be restored to the perfect creation He intended it to be. And part of Sabbath is participating in that restoration with Jesus in restoring people in this world to how God wants it to be. That's why Jesus says the Sabbath is meant for doing good. Sabbath is a time to rest and to do good. My hope for every one of you, for every one of us in this room, would be that we would find time to serve in the name of Jesus, either through participating in something in this church or simply how we care for a coworker, neighbor, or friend. Because that's part of how we're restored. You heard Janine say it in the testimony. That's part of what lifts her spirit. By rising above the ordinary, material, workaday world and partnering with God in restoring this world. That restores us. And if you don't have time to serve in Jesus' name, I'd urge you to clear off enough stuff off your calendar so that you can. However, on the other hand, if you're doing too much church stuff, you have my permission to cut something out. If you are doing more than one or two church activities on a regular basis, you may need to cut something back. It's about balance. Time for work, time for rest, time to participate with what God is doing in the world. Rely on Jesus, establish a rhythm in your life, participate in the restoration Jesus is doing in the world. That's what Sabbath is all about. Now, practically speaking, how do we do this? Let me just give you a couple of real practical things that have helped me as I've struggled with this issue of Sabbath to get better at it. The first is this, you've got to schedule it. It is not going to happen unless you put it in your calendar. Many of you have heard the analogy of the rocks and the rice. 
Right? If you have a jar and you have a bunch of rice and you put all the rice in the jar first, fills it up, there's no room for the rocks. But if you put the rocks in first, then the rice will fit in between all the little holes between all the different rocks. The point is, schedule the big important things first, and all the other stuff will fit in the spaces in between. Schedule a day of Sabbath. doesn't have to be Sunday, but just a day where you can connect to God and be with family and friends. Schedule some time every day to pray and be with God. Maybe it's just five minutes. Maybe start there. Schedule a date night if you're married. Schedule some time every week to serve in Jesus' name. Put the big rocks in first, and then everything else will just fit in around it. Schedule it. Second thing, practical, it's hard to do, but sit down with your calendar, and if you are not getting Sabbath, cut back. Cut something back. Cut, cut some work back, or cut back some of your activities. If you're doing too much stuff at church, cut some of those things out. Cut back at home. Let the house stay messy for two more weeks. Who cares, right? That is the best news you're going to hear all week. Go home and let the house be dirty for Jesus. Amen. Can I have an amen, right? You have the pastor's permission. We have some friends. They have three teenagers, and they limit each child's activities to two per quarter, one church thing and one something else. That's it. And it makes their life so much more balanced. And it teaches their kids how to have priorities and choose between competing goods. Schedule, cut back, and finally, let's as a community affirm each other for slowing down a little bit. Many of you, when you see me, you won't say to me, nice sermon, pastor, or you're doing a great job. Instead, you'll look at me and you go, you taking time off? Thank you. That reminds me that what you need from me as your pastor is not just my anxious toil, but what you really need from me is to live a balanced life. Let's as a community help each other slow down and praise each other when we do. I have a friend whose number one stress in life was his job. He was a very highly placed executive in a, in a very well-known company, making a ton of money, had a ton of prestige in his job, and had every fancy toy money could possibly buy. Problem was, he was working upwards of 75 hours a week, had high blood pressure and heart problems, never saw his kids, had no time for God. So he started praying about this a couple of years ago and decided he needed to make some changes. And so one of the things he did was he started working a little bit less. You know, he cut back at work. Not enough, but just a little bit less. Told his boss why he was doing it. Then he carved out some time to serve because that was what really restored him and gave him joy. And he and his wife started going to the same restaurant every week so that they could get to know the cooks and the waiters in that restaurant. And then they would start to serve these cooks and waiters in just whatever way they could think of. Bringing them a meal if one of them was sick, inviting them over to their house. And all that led to some great conversations with these people about Jesus and faith. And suddenly his life was better. He loved it. He was seeing his family more. Still not enough, but more. It was better. And his life was more than just about working. He, he was participating with what God was doing in the world. And his boss, how did his boss react to all this? His boss fired him. He got fired for all those changes. So he said, all right, Lord, stepped out in faith and trusted you, and now look what happened. A little disconcerting, but I'll keep trusting you. said, the first thing that started to happen was he started to experience God's presence in a deeper way than he's ever experienced it before. And then he took some of the severance pay that he got to take a few months off and used that time to work at remodeling a house with his church to be used to help homeless people. 
Then he spent some more time with his family. And then just as the severance was running out, he got a job running a much smaller company, much less prestige than his former job, but by this time he didn't care, a little less money, but still plenty to meet their needs, and he had a lot more time. I was just talking to him last week, and he said this astonishing thing. He says, you know what's got the best thing about my new job is? I've got a three-hour commute every day. Right, which, that, that sounds contraindicated, right? I mean, I thought that was just kind of weird. He said, no, no, you don't get it. I got the Bible on tape. I listen to it when I drive. I've got praise music in my car. I sing. For the first time in my life, I am getting regular time with God every single day. And he still has way more time at home, even with that commute. He relied on Jesus. He deliberately scheduled Sabbath into his life. He participated with Jesus in restoring this world, and he got fired for it. But Jesus was there and was more than sufficient to meet his needs. So how about you? I'm not saying you have to go out and get fired. But how can you begin to put some Sabbath into your life? How can you begin to trust that it's not all up to you? That Jesus is sufficient to meet all of your needs? And that life consists of more than just racking up more achievements or one more dollar to buy one more thing? But that we were meant to rise above the material, workaday, ordinary world, connect with the eternal, rely on Jesus, and partner with him in redeeming this world? How can you do that? And then let's, as a community, remind each other that we don't have to prove our worth by how busy we are, but that what makes us significant, what makes us valuable, is that the God of the universe came in the person of Jesus and died so that we could be reconciled to him. And that makes us way more valuable than any promotion or raise or pat on the back ever could. We were on vacation last week in the Bay Area, and one day we took our kids to San Francisco and there were several things I wanted to do with them that day, and so I kept rushing us on to the next thing. You know, hurry up, kids, we're on vacation. We've got to start enjoying it, right? <laughs> now, my two oldest, they have my personality kind of driven, and so they were responding well to this pace. But my youngest daughter, Lucy, who's two, she's all Christina. <laughs> and so Lucy was just walking along, looking at the sky, looking at the plants, just having a grand old time. You know, I'd keep saying, come on, Lucy, hurry up. And she'd say, okay. <laughs> That's just how she said it. Okay. Like not even my rushing could rush her or stress her out, right? She was just perfectly at peace, enjoying the world around her, trusting that it was all going to be okay, which it was. What a great picture. That's who God invites us to be. In a world where everybody is racing around, doing more and more to impress more and more people, think of how refreshing it would be for us and for those around us in this culture if instead of living amped up, jacked up, caffeinated lives, we were living lives with balance, meaning, and eternal significance. Participating with Jesus in what he's doing in this world and relying on Jesus, the only one who can give us rest and the one who says to us over and over again, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will have rest. Rest unto your souls. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us do that. Lord, help us to know what things we have to do and what things we don't have to do so that we have space in our lives for you. We ask this in your name. Amen.